So welcome to the Property Mom podcast. I'm Dolako, I'm a wife and mother of two wonderful kids who are four and two, and I'm what you'd call a property entrepreneur. And if you're joining us for the first time, thanks so much for listening to this. And my hope is that you learn something new every time you listen, and you will. So today, I'm joined by another property mom. Her name is Claire Yu. So hi, Claire. So thank you so much for coming on my show. How hi, Dolapo. It's my pleasure. I'm fine. Thank you. Good. And how are you coping with all of the lockdown and everything that's going on? I think the hardest part is having to homeschool two kids. <laughs> that's the <laughs> <Yes>. biggest challenge. <laughs> I know, I know. And I'm so looking forward to hearing all about your journey in property investing. So this show, just to give some context, is really about people's journeys, people's experiences and their learnings. And the whole aim is really to inspire and educate other people, you know. So it's really about, you know, just letting people know that they it's really accessible. It's something they can get into. But, you know, for me, I interview different people, but I'm really, really always super excited when I'm interviewing another fellow property mom (laughs) because we have our own special place in this world, juggling the dramas of property investing and all of the dramas of raising the kids. And, you know, it's it's just, it just comes with it. So, and in fact, we have a lot in common because you got into full-time property investing about 10 years ago exactly 2010 so so i'd like to know what were you up to before then okay well uh before 2010 i was in malaysia so i was born in malaysia and i grew up there i am eldest of four children and i studied veterinary medicine and i practiced as a small animal veterinarian for three years And then I went on to do some pharmaceutical sales because at that time, I really enjoyed the job as a veterinary officer. So I was a small animal um, doctor in a hospital, but the the pay was really low. It was only about an equivalent (laughs) of 400 pounds a month. So it was quite low. And although I really enjoyed working there, I decided that I needed more. And also, I I love traveling. Yeah. Oh, wow. So then I just switched industry and I and I went on to a job where I could travel because I was in charge of the um of our distributors, our customers in Southeast Asia. So there's a lot of traveling which I love a lot. And um okay. so it was um during that time where I mm-hmm. met my it was uh, my my partner, my, my ex at that time, uh, my partner at that time, and he told me, right, that he wants to work very hard then. I mean, he was 34 and I was about 30 at that time. And he wanted to work really hard and retire at 45. So that prompted me. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So that prompted me to ask myself, what is my retirement plan? Yeah. yeah. Well, Okay, so it's interesting. So just hearing from your story that, you know, as much as you loved what it was that you did, the fact is it didn't pay the bills. It just wasn't practical to try to kind of live, you know, live on that in, the, in that sort of way, just kind of looking forward. And then when you spoke to your partner and he told you about his own grand plans, which to be fair, 45 <laughs> is a great age. That means you still have enough time to, you know, really explore yes. the world, travel, do all sorts of things. 
before you get too old. So yeah. you then decided, okay, let me think about my own life and kind of readjust. So then what was your, what were your next Yeah, step? so I... So when I decided that was what I wanted to do, that I wanted to find out how I could retire at 45, I looked at all different types of schemes and options. So I've got people coming up to me, offering me like those um, savings scheme. Like they say, well, if you invest, if you save a thousand a month for 12, for 10 years, I think, for 10 years. Okay. So that means after 10 years, you don't have to put in any more money, but from the 13th year mm-hmm. onwards till the end of your life, you will get paid a thousand a month. I mean, the same amount that you invested in um, and your capital will still be there. So it, it sounded quite good initially, but then when I looked, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but when I looked into it further, I was like trying to figure out how did they, how can they provide such a good, you know, same, exactly. right? So then when I look into it, I realized that the first 10 years that you save, so there's no interest at all. Not only the first 10, the first 13 years, there's no interest. So you're paying <laughs> like, let's say 12,000 a year times 10. That's yeah. 120,000 that you have saved, which, which you will not get any interest on until the 13th year. So they'll give you like 10% on that 120,000. So that's why you can get that 1,000 back for the rest of your life. Ah, and they're probably investing those funds all yeah. in those yeah. years that you're not receiving any yes. payments. Yes. So that's Yeah. So then I figured okay. that out and I realized that, I mean, like for me to put in even a thousand at that time is quite a lot. But, you know, in 13 yeah. years time, when, you know, that, that 1,000, it's probably, it's not even, it won't even be a thousand in value anymore. You know, it, it may be enough now, but yeah. it won't be enough. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah. Because of that, and I, I look at different ways. And finally, I realized that property investment is the way to go. Because uh, you sure. get to leverage on your money. Yes. And I, I also say that, and it's one because recently I heard um, a YouTube um, personality say something about buying uh, properties in cash. And I remember thinking, well, if you're an investor, really, by buying your properties in cash doesn't quite it's not really making it's not the best use of your money is it because leverage just gives it that extra boost isn't it so you know even if you want somebody who was a risk taker the fact that you were already thinking in the sense of how can I multiply the what I have use that to buy assets you know and then earn from those assets and then ultimately you know what happens with a lot of these investments is that they pay for themselves don't they so so how did you then go about actually getting into property? Yeah, so when I looked into it and I realized that because at that time, if I buy a property, I just need to put in like 10% deposit. So for a okay. property that's worth 200000 I just need to put in a deposit of 20000 of my money to buy that property. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then after that, I don't have to pay anymore because my plan was to have the rent pay the mortgage that was my criteria yeah. the, the rent was going to pay my exactly. mortgage which is a uh, repayment yeah. mortgage so by the end of 20 years or 25 years right that mortgage you own the property yeah yes so that was yeah. that was my retirement mm-hmm. plan that 
if I buy a few yeah. of those and if I just live in one, so I have like a place to live in, which is the most important thing because I didn't want to be depending on mm-hmm. my future children or my siblings or whoever or, you know, my partner or husband mm-hmm. at that time, which, you know, at that time I was single. So um, I didn't want to depend on anyone at all. So I thought, okay, if I live in one and then the rest, because I didn't have to pay mortgage anymore, those will be like my my pocket money for my living expenses so I can have a decent lifestyle. Exactly. So that was my plan. Okay. Um, but then I realized that, you know, because I only put in like 20000 So if the property price even go up by 10%, like from 200000 to 220000 I would have made like 100% returns on my investment. On your Yes, so that's the power of yes. leverage. And that's the amazing thing. Exactly. That's the power of leverage. Yeah. Good. So... Uh, Okay, so that's how. So that's your rationale for why you thought property was definitely the best retirement plan, and that you put that plan in place. I decided to put that plan even from when you were single, and I always say that you know it's good to get into property when you're older and when you have kids. It's definitely more difficult, but if you set up yourself from when you're single, it's sort of something that you end up reaping the rewards to. But I'm not sure. Um, in terms of your journey, were you actually able to get into property before you got married, or how did then how did it? Yeah, work so out I bought. So those that was uh, that all happened in Malaysia, right? Um, okay. That was in two thousand eight, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. So when I when I discovered that that's the plan that I wanted to go to, to, to you know to 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 to, to practice, um, in that two years, in the next two years, I bought like five properties with the savings that I had because I had some savings, you know, um, and mm-hmm. so I bought five, but I, at that point. And also it helps that the and, price, sorry, just, yes. just say that it helps that the price points yes. that you're looking at were not no. too high because you were talking about being able to um, buy a 200,000 200, property. With yes. Just a 10% yes. deposit. Yes. So at the time you were able to mm. get a 90% leverage yeah. upon your 10%. Yeah. Fantastic. So, um, okay. but after five, I had I was stuck because firstly I've run out of savings, mm-hmm. and and secondly <laughs> in Malaysia there is no buy to let mortgage. So, I mean the mortgage affordability is dependent on my salary, and you know my salary is kind of stuck at that time unless I mm-hmm. jobs or whatever. So I was kind of stuck. But it was around that time as well that I met my my current husband. So, um, but okay. he lives in the UK in London. So then I decided to move to relocate to London. So that was in um, November 2010. Oh, fantastic. And I'm actually quite curious. So what happened to those five properties that right. you had? So um, I was actually quite fortunate because when I, when I first started buying those properties, the property market had been stagnant for nine years. People were saying like, there's no increase in price. There's no decrease. It's just like stagnant for nine years. But when I started buying, it started coming up. So, so much so that when I just got my mortgage offer letter for the fifth one, on the next day, the government announced that there will be no more 10%. (laughs) Two properties and more, it will be like 30%. So, I was really lucky at that point. Um, So, so those property, I mean, the prices of those property, it it went up slowly. And by the time I came over in 2010, um. It, it was gradually going up. Um, yeah. Okay. So, um, okay. No, so I think I'm interested to know. Did yes, you sell sorry. Them yes, I did sell them. 
So I was I was okay. very fortunate. I saw them and that's how I started my buy to let journey here in the UK. Oh, in the UK. Yeah. And you're very lucky with property. I must say property is definitely your thing because it sounds like you got into property at the perfect time in, in Malaysia. And then you came over here and then you got it yes. at the perfect time in the UK because 2010 was about, you know, like that was a great time to have gotten into property here because from 2010 through to about 2016, yes. It was just straight on yes, the upward. Yes. Inside. Yes. So I was. So, I was. I was just on the two. I was. I. I was at the right way. Two waves. You know. I. Yeah. I wrote two waves. <laughs> property waves. So one in Malaysia. And when I came over, I started buying my first one only in 2013. So it's a 13, 14, 15, and 16. Okay. And that wasn't a bad time as yeah. well. Good. So you bought 13, 14, 15. And I guess your last property would have yes. been before Brexit. Before, before they okay. announced uh, the new, the additional 3% STEM duty. Yes. Yes. So I didn't buy any more. Okay, yeah. That. So because that, yeah, the, the legislation then started to impact the market a little bit, then further worsened by Brexit yes. coming through. So, oh, wow. So you kind of went through that. And then when uh, relating to the kids, so when did the kids start coming? in relation to when you moved to the UK? Because you moved on tw- yes. in 2010. And then, you know, you, so when did you have kids? My son was born the next year. And my daughter okay. was born in 2014. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so I guess somewhere in between there, you bought like a few properties and then you then jumped in and then had your daughter. And then... Yes. So, okay. Because it's funny because I think your daughter and my son son who's my first are about are very close in age then because they were born around the same yeah age. yeah your son is born in 2016 no. 15 no of 2015 ah, okay. yes 15 so yeah okay great so I guess you were sort of combining motherhood with buying your yeah y- yes which, I think yeah. if I was not a mom um, I would mm-hmm. I think I probably would have done more I mean looking back for sure, oh, for right? sure. because at oh, the time, sure. you know, a lot of things, for you know, sure. your kids were young, you know, and, you know, I'm like viewing with those yeah. two little babies with me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. So, so no, I definitely 100% agree with that because I was also on fire, like leading up to the point where I had the kids. And I remember I was like nine months pregnant with my son and I was climbing up two floors for a project that I was doing. And I was like, I am not doing this again. Like, you know, talking to builders, fighting with builders, the builder was delaying. I was about to pop and I was like, I need to finish this before I need to get tenants in here before I yes. drop this baby. <laughs> so, so I, I, you know, once I had him, then, you know, like, and imagine, you know, actually the easy time is when you have, when you have the babies inside you, the minute they come out, it's like, a whole new drama. So the year after is completely yes. wiped. You can't do any project no. in that no. year, right? When you're still breastfeeding yes. and doing all those types of things. So, yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm. I'm just oh, so wow. glad that you know so, they're all in full time school now. So that's when I started to yeah. change my strategy. When my kids started going to full time so school, and I thought, yes, I have more time now. No, I have time. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So now you're now you're a real person. <laughs> You know, the mom, you, you're doing the mom stuff, you're taking the kids to school and all that, and then you're, you know, managing to build up your portfolio and doing all of your investments. So tell us a bit more about your company. Um, name of your company is a Golden Property yes. Group. Lovely. 
And um, so what is what is your company? So doing? initially, I started that company as a property management company for my portfolio of buy to lets. And okay. I've got like um, another friend and, you know, just it's not really like it. I'm not really like taking on clients for my own properties and maybe uh, some friends properties. So that was that was yes. the initial um, objective, and which is which is totally fine. And it's funny because you should mention that. Sorry to interrupt, but it's just a, I just wanted to make a point there, which is you know starting out, it's okay that you know you have your own vitalet, and then you start because you already have those services. You can start to manage like friends, colleagues, yeah. friends of friends. You know, it doesn't have to be going straight out no, into the no. market, right? So yeah. no, yeah. So that was how I started the company, um, but then later on. I um, started investing in other people's projects as well. Yes, and okay. then and then I I start to ha- I started to have my own projects. So right now I have a development project. So, um, yeah, so it's all under well, sort of that's an SPV, but this property management company, Golden Property Group, is the mm-hmm. is the parent company of my SPV. Okay. Yeah. yeah so SPV, that's the special purpose vehicle and that's purposely created so you can buy and invest in yes. either land or yes. property right yes. okay great and that sits under your over your your parent company which is the yes. the golden yes. uh, property yes. group great okay so um so this project if you give us a bit of an idea what sort of project so this is a piece of land in croydon okay which which well i done. I had my offer accepted in October 2018. But okay, that's <laughs> yes. very interesting because um funnily enough, what I want to oh my god. <laughs> Sorry. Hold on. My my daughter literally has just come <laughs> to interrupt our, our it's podcast. Okay. okay, I'm sorry. I'm literally in the middle of a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, hold on. I'll come and rub it. I need to finish my podcast. Okay. So you will see things here. Yes. Then I will come on. Sorry, I'll come and finish it in a minute. Can you imagine that? <laughs> That's property mum. <laughs> really? That's the real property mum. And I will leave that in. <laughs> I have to leave that in, you know, because it's really property yes. mum. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, so sorry about that. Um, so where were we? Okay, so this is a land um, that you sourced in Croydon. I'm interested to know how did you find this land? Well, um, I was looking for, I was actually looking for a commercial conversion project for a long time because I, I attended a commercial conversion okay. course and then I did a mastermind and I was looking for a conversion project. But it was, I, I looked for a year and I couldn't find one that stacked. Um, okay. And just to define what stacked means, so it's basically ensuring that there's profitability in the deal. So I've been on a land course recently, and there's a minimum yes. requirement of 20 to 25% where you know you're definitely yes. going to make that profit before any lender yes. will touch that yes. uh, project. Yes. Okay. So um, I found that, but it was quite a complicated um well you know what i think most any deals that in nothing is ever as easy or as straightforward as 
you hope or you <laughs> expect yeah. them to be it it, it never it, is. there's no it development never that ever goes no plan, so yeah. that piece of land which i wanted to buy it was actually it already had planning for five um dwellings so it's like a block of th- three flats and another two houses okay but okay but the the two how one of the houses it was sitting on a right of way so then my solicitor told me not oh. to buy not to proceed it's just really complicated yeah. and i went back and i negotiated with the vendor to buy only the half that is not affected so so then okay. well so then i got that half and but because i only bought half of that i had to mm-hmm. reapply for planning permission and that scheme that block of flats oh, wow. it actually so the current planning is still extant and previously there was already another planning an old planning application for that the whole the same block so right now i'm just reapplying okay. for the same scheme all over okay but that's interesting that they were able to get planning application for the original scheme but your lawyer is saying there would have oh, been complications due to uh, access yeah so my, my lawyer didn't want me to buy it because of the right of way but that was so that's why i didn't buy the entire scheme so i bought only half of the land so i completed okay. and i purchased only half of the land which is okay. uh, not okay. affected okay. by that right of way yeah okay. um, so oh. that's why because i only bought half the land so i only I, I had to reapply for planning because if not, I okay. have to fulfill all the planning conditions for the entire scheme. Oh, yes, indeed. So you it's better for you to just start a new planning which has its own, which is limited to just yes. what you purchase. Yes. So, um, okay. you know, most people would say that it's not going to be a problem because that scheme has been approved twice and I'm just putting the same scheme. I, I did change the design a little bit. So put in a design, but mm-hmm. it just took ages. There was not, there was, there was, yeah. yeah I mean, there was the issue, but the, yeah. the planning officers they they just couldn't make up their mind on the. They keep changing their minds, yeah. so that took quite some time. So that's why the project has been dragged on. Yes, dragging, and and that's an interesting point because I've always wanted to go into sort of land development. That's why I'm actually mm-hmm. doing that course. But when we when they're describing the timelines, granted. The, the payout at the end makes sense. You know, sometimes with the deals, it really stacks up well and you have that big payday. But for me, it just seems like such a, you know, like I feel like you should have a smaller project in the middle and then have this overarching, like long yes. plan. You know, like sometimes you, you see like a movie that has like, you know, short, like, okay, no, like a, a TV series where they have all the short stories yes. in between, but they have like an overarching, <laughs> you know, story. I feel like that's the way to stack up these deals because otherwise you'd just be waiting, like twiddling your thumbs for like two years, waiting for the planning yes. to be approved, right? Yeah. So, yeah, but yeah. anyway. But hopefully everything will, you know, you've, you've still come into this sort of lockdown and are you still in the process? And hopefully at some point you'll come out of the planning process and you'll be able to do the Yeah, we, we have planning permission already. We got it in, in, in December last year. So okay. we were looking to to start okay. the project, and then you know that this COVID nineteen thing happened. Nineteen. Yeah. So, but we are looking to wow. we are we are looking wow. to to start it, you know, to resume. So we sort of like have a contract okay. in place, and we just need to wait for our lender to okay. restart lending again because they put a pause on yeah. the application. Oh, yeah, of course they did. 
Yeah. And so they're going to fund 100% of the land, of the development, because you already own the land. Or did they, did they contribute to the purchase of the land um, as well? No, no, they did not. I mean, well, well okay. they would, they, they there is have. some amount that will go towards the purchase price. But we had already purchased it. Okay. But, okay. you know, like development cost is a certain amount, but they're giving us a little bit more than the development yeah. cost. Okay. Yes. Okay. Oh, so I see how they structured it where they will give you a bit more because they could, they know that they, they can sort of weigh into the equity that's already existing in the land. So they'll give you enough to do both the land as a, to sort of to do the, the entire project. So they're giving you slightly more than the hundred percent you need to do to do the development. Uh, That's what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Because initially the plan was okay. to right. to use some of that funds to pay, um, mm -hmm. to pay towards the land as well. So because I put okay. in some funds okay. and I was hoping that when I go into development finance, I can pull out some funds. Mm -hmm. But because of the situation okay. now, they have lowered the loan to value. So yeah, I, loan to value. Okay. I I I'm not sure if I would be able to pull out the amount that I wanted to. Yeah, 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 and that's the that's the issue with development, isn't it? That at the point where you're doing all your deal stacking, you just don't know what is going to happen in yes. a year's time, and that may affect the valuation or you being able to pull out the funds. But I'm sure by the time you actually finish yeah. the development, you know, and judging on your previous luck with property, you'll be coming out. At the perfect time, isn't it? Because the development will probably take yes, you another, another year, year or so, and yeah, by which time we hopefully will be yes. away from all of this, and you know the property market will be back. So your valuation on that point will be good. Yes, you know. Yeah. So, hopefully, you know, fingers, fingers crossed. crossed. That's what we all hope. Exactly. Things back yeah. to normal. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's well, a new it's normal, new but normal you know, economically, sure, but, you know, everything yeah, is just running yeah. as it was. Exactly as if. Yeah, well, we'll see how it all falls, how the cookie crumbles, as they say. Um, so I'm interested to know, um, in terms of your journey, what what resources have helped you along the way? Like, um, did you start off like with a mentor? Did you have, you know, you mentioned um, going for a mastermind. What sort of resources have helped you? Along um, the so way? when I first came here in 2010, like, I I had no idea. I mean, everything in UK, is, it's totally different. And I wasn't really an expert in Malaysia mm -hmm. as, as well. I just knew how to buy some. I, I didn't have really proper knowledge. <laughs> I just bought some. Um, so when I first started, when I came here in 2010 and in 2012, um, there were no Facebook groups or Instagram and all that. So I went on, a, my best investment was to go on a property course. It was my okay. first property course that I ever enrolled in. Um it was a, mm -hmm. a big investment and yeah, it always is. and my husband, he thought it was a scam. He's like, oh, it's too expensive. You know, who pays that much to learn about property? You can just learn from my friend. <laughs> so, yeah. um, <laughs> but eventually I decided that, no, this is what, because I went for their preview and I really liked what they tell, what, what they were telling us. Yeah. We so about, I, yeah. Uh, I just enrolled for the course anyway. And you know that's why some of the courses are quite expensive is because they understand that they they are giving you yes. very strong value like you know and because you're talking about property you do the right course at the right time in the buying cycle and you'll pay for that course 10 times over. Yes, right? yes. So 
So that's why we exactly. So, so you know, it's it's not about how how much you pay, but it's about how much you can get back. Yeah. Exactly, and that's why they call yes. it an investment. You know, I totally get that now because I was a bit wary of paying for courses. <laughs> now I pay for courses all the time, but um, when I started off in my journey, and I know that there was one key piece of information which I later on found out was common knowledge if you had yeah. gone to a course, right? And it was the way, you know, the BRRR method where you buy right. a refurbished mortgage. I understood the whole concept of doing that as simply on a project, like a simple project. But I didn't realize there were ways you could customize the property that would mean you could take out all mm. of your funds from the property and yes. recycle into yes. the next deal, yes. right? But if I'd gone on a simple course, that would have been, yeah, that would that may have cost me, what, yes. four or 5,000 pounds. But then guess what the next deals I would have done because when I first started I used to just buy like a two bed and mm, as a two yes. bed you know it was stunning two bed yeah. so I did it up and then put it back on the market as a two bed but now I know that oh let's reconfigure let's turn it into like a mm -mm. four bed or you know like let's do something with it so that in six months you pretty much can take out all your funds from from the property yeah so, so but that course yeah. that I went to they didn't really focus on this strategy their focus was more on you know buying below market value and then remortgage uh, yeah. it. Two years. Okay. Now, this is an interesting thing you raised. This below market value, which is it's, which is fine to do it in say 2010 when there was drama in the market. But I'm I'm not understanding um, with below market value how you can consistently source below market value when you're yes. in an up market. So I've always gone to auctions, which I feel is sort of below market value because it's definitely lower than yeah. going to an estate agent. Some people argue that you can still get it even further on, further lower if you can source it directly from the vendor themselves um, with no agents whatsoever. So when they were teaching you below market value, what, how were they explaining that you would source those? You know, Dolapo, this is a very, you know, when I think back, it's just, I, I just thought it was hilarious because <laughs> they were telling us about this below market value. And actually, when they were telling us, in, in in their minds, right, it's more for properties up north, mm -hmm. right? Uh, right. Of course, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that because I'm new to this country. <laughs> so I was, oh. I was walking around putting in offers 20% below market value. <laughs> exactly. Where are you going to get that in London, for God's sake? You have to find the most desperate seller, the most desperate property. Like, Yeah, but the time I was, you know, I was right innocent. I was like, okay, I'll just offer and. And so I built a lot of properties. I built a lot more than a hundred. And finally, I found a distressed mm -hmm. seller. <laughs> and I got my first. Oh, my wow. first property was actually fifteen percent below market value. So when when I got back to the, oh. and I told them, they were like, "Wow, that's really great because it's in London." I'm like, 15, That's not really good." Yeah, but it's in London. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> and then that's when I realized that you know that that strategy is mainly for properties. It only works. Yeah. Yeah. So indeed, indeed, that's I understand that. And you see, there's there's a blog I wrote about this whole the five qualities a property should have to make as a good investment. Um, but one of the things is and buying below market value is one yeah. of those qualities, you know, and if you can pair it with re re yeah. reconfiguring the property as well, then you have like a double whammy, like you really get gain a lot of profit in that property because you've not only sourced it below market value, you've also yes. uplifted the value as well. So it's like you're earning on both sides. But finding, for me, finding below market value properties, Keys, um, is really, um, it's, it's really one of those things that if you can yes. get it, 
then that that is amazing. It will really make mm. your deal stack. But finding yes, it it's it's really hard, you know, to to look for them. I mean, but yeah. to be fair, because I was looking at, I was doing a lot of viewings and putting lots of offer. Mm-hmm. Even in mm-hmm. in an up market, they are you you do find deals. You know, but yeah. you just have to yeah, put, yeah. and it's yes, a numbers, it's game, numbers game. Yeah, yeah. So if you find, so I guess, and this is why you know some of the strategies that they use, where they do the mass yes. mailing just to source, yes. you know, property, you know, because if you put out, let's say, 400 letters and you even get, the, you yes. even get two back, you know, it yes. way pays, it pays for all of the, you know, all of the yes. stamps and all of the cost of sending out all the marketing. So I, I totally get it. I've always been wary about it only because I, I feel like you're just kind of throwing out, you know, you're just throwing mm-hmm. out and hoping. But for me, you know, when I go to the auction, what I say is, I'll look for five properties in an auction. And this was obviously pre-COVID because in in COVID times, the auction catalogs have been very, very lean. Where normally we'd have about 300 properties listed, maybe they'd have about 60 or 70 properties. So it's been tough. However, in the normal market for the auctions for me, what happens is I'll pick about four or five properties that I know work in terms of Mm -hmm. a good deal. And I will sort of see how they are ranked in the catalog to see which ones are very popular and which ones won't be as popular and then try and figure out which ones to go for now i found that if with the right strategy you know with auctions you can buy month one month two refurbish month three you know remortgage or start the remortgage Mm -hmm. process so that by month six you're out of the deal so for me that's why i like it it's a predictable way to to source as opposed to you know kind of hoping that you run into a property but i honestly feel both should probably be running at the same time yeah right so you should be sourcing mm. below market value from yes. any source you can yes. pretty much get so i guess you've you've now done your land you've done did you ever get into rent to rent as um no i did, did not no ever? no because oh, i i'm okay. not too I, I don't i just never really got on with the hmo because I don't have any HMOs. Because when I started my property yeah. strategy, my, my kids were really young. So, you know, I wanted like a simple buy to let so that I don't have to. And also, yeah, when my kids were young, I used to go back to Malaysia like twice a year, like every time for like one or two months. Oh, wow. So I didn't want to have a hassle of okay. having a HMO. Turn yeah. and all that. So somehow yeah. I never got into the HMO. And, and, and there was once that I did think because everyone was saying like how much the cash flow is and all that the benefits so yes, every time I feel a bit indeed. tempted I think oh maybe I should just you know convert one of my four beds and that's why I bought a few four <laughs> yeah. beds it's with the intention that when my kids are a bit older I have to I can switch it back them. to HMOs but but I had a, I have a friend who's got like probably like 50 rooms he's got like seven HMOs or something like that and he oh, he said, well, come yeah. over and see my HMOs because he does like a round every Friday afternoon. He goes, all his, oh. all his HMOs are close by. So he said, you come on Friday afternoon and I, and I, you can follow, I can follow him on his round. So just <laughs> as in he goes to view yeah, yeah. all his HMOs every yes. <laughs> So I guess that's the thing. You have to be really yes. hands-on. In all fairness, the cash, because I also have a friend who, operates in the southwest and he's really like a hmo like a real hmo guru and he has about six of them and when he was telling me he has some 10 10 room hmos 
each of them paying him about 10 uh, about a thousand pounds per room and i was like wow that's not bad because his mortgage is only about four thousand pounds so he's netting about six thousand pounds a month steady on just one property so i was like well good for you that's you know but he said it's a hassle in the middle of the night he's getting calls at 12 midnight oh my girlfriend wants to kick me out so that was actually one of the things that you know because i follow him around and then you can see that sometimes the tenants they're like oh they have issues with one and then small issues like oh the kitchen is dirty and that person doesn't like this person and they've got some stuff because when you go on rounds like that you get real feel because you know or else you only get a good side of hmos but so yes. that's when I realized that no, I don't think this would work for me because I I don't I need to go for my travels. I like going traveling and I like to. <laughs> yeah. so not... Although I do say, I do say that these things you can always outsource these yes. activities because if you're making that much on a HMO, you're happy to give up 15 percent to somebody to be to be doing all of this for you. And there are people that will happily take care yes. of the property of you. You know, yeah. they'll take care of the property so you don't have to. So. And the reason is because we have one and the first time I had it let out through an agent, the first time I got into it, I outsourced it to, to an agent to do it. And he, they did a terrible job of putting, they just wanted to fill yes. the properties. So they didn't really vet the tenants. And so it was a nightmare. I had to get involved. Yes. You know, it became like I had to talk to each of the different tenants, beg them to leave the property. It was a nightmare. <laughs> so because of that, I then decided, okay, the next round of people that was going to get there, I was going to yes. be involved in it. And better still, because I realized that there were interpersonal yes. issues with the previous t- um, tenants, better still, I wrote it there l- looking for friends or looking for a group of people who know yes. each other, like, you know, so that, and that's how, what I found, you know, because the area also worked for that. And and it's been yes. peace, no stress. No. Anytime they want anything done, they just let me yes. know. I send the handyman, it gets sorted. There's no, you know, and I feel like obviously the larger HMOs and may not always be lucky to find friends who all want to live mm. together, but you know, for me, it's it's a hassle. HMO is a hassle. So, so yeah. that's why you get compensated with better profits. So yes. you know, it it. Yes. So it is a gamble. Yes. So for for me, so for me, my own poison was um, service accommodation, mm-hmm. and that's I did rent to service accommodation, and I always say how I stumbled on it because of the way I was trying to strategize my business. I just needed more right. cash flow, and um, and interestingly enough. The margins are amazing with service accommodation. In fact, sometimes, you know, other than the people who have the higher bedroom HMOs, um, most HMOs tend to um, average out about maybe 500 yes. to 600 pounds per per, per mm-hmm. property. But with service accommodation, the right properties, you're netting about 4,000, 5,000 a month, yeah. right? Especially in yes. the summer. However, it's, it's also quite intense yes. in terms of the, the, the high turnover and dealing with guests and you know it definitely has its own challenges yeah. as well and single lets in my opinion are the easiest to manage they really just yes. don't, they don't they just never no, yes so, yes so i think the mixed bag approach is the best to be honest. yeah i mean yeah. like i mean like i mean everyone you know like you you like doing sa's i mean the money is great but you you need to find the right property because i did try you know um, every time somebody says something's good and i just mm-hmm. want to try so i had like one bit flat mm-hmm. that uh, that mm-hmm. became vacant the tenant moved that and I thought well you know mm-hmm. what why don't I just try doing service accommodation on that one yeah um I didn't like it and I didn't think the profits mm-hmm. were really good because I think it you have to have at least two bedrooms because I had like only it's just a one bed flat 
and I and yes, I could I put agree. like a sofa bed in the living room. So actually, you could sleep yeah. five, but yeah. still five. Yeah, it's maybe the area. Yeah. Well. So the margins, hundred percent. I agree with that. And I always wondered why some people just had their portfolio full of one and two bed. You know, like one beds. <laughs> in there because actually my first was a three bed and that that um three bed did amazingly so i typically have two and three beds and i agree with what you say the margins are really because if you think about it in london how much is the rent for a one bed versus the rent for a two bed maybe there's a difference of about 400 pounds between the two right 100 pounds a week but the difference between renting out a two bed per night you can get a two bed you know um service accommodation at 250 per night you know, you know, in those types of ranges, one beds, even the nicest one bed, you struggle to get it at exactly. 200 per night, yes. you know, on a consistent yes. basis. Typically, it would be about 100 to 150. Yeah. And I'm talking about, I had one in sort of the Islington area, and that did very well because it gave me good ratings. Mm-hmm. So I kept it on because I used to get five-star oh, ratings okay. on that property all right. the time. But of all my properties, it was the least performing uh, because I used to net about a thousand, a thousand five on that property, but I held it on because at the end of the day, thousand, a thousand five is still a great, <laughs> still a great reward for for what I was doing. And that property did well because the area was close to Liverpool Street, mm-hmm. so I used to get a lot of corporate tenants. So, was that a rent? You know, so yes, it was a rent to rent. It was a rent to rent. So I had a mixed portfolio of owned properties and um, rent to rent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the rent rents did very well leading up to COVID-19 and pretty much then they went just off a cliff. So, <laughs> but I think so, they should, yeah. it should be coming back because, uh, you know, I think because all the hotels are closed and now that people are starting to get back to work. Yeah, yeah, it will. It will. But, you know, it's for those who survived this period, you know. So in a way, I spoke to somebody else today whose son is actually getting into the service accommodation business and I said oh he's very lucky because this is actually a good time to be picking up yes. properties from those of us yes. who are pretty much <laughs> on the other side of the cycle so I've run it for a while you know I've done very well in it I know all of the strategy I won't stop it as a strategy I'll get back into it but definitely I'm taking a break break from it for at least a year right. because for me I just want to go more into say into bigger projects mm-hmm. and you know service accommodation did its job for me which is during the time I was building up the portfolio, yes. um, it gave me the cash flow to yes. be able to hold, you know, because when you're starting out, the rent in, rental income is not enough no. to sustain you. But once you have enough, then the rental income is okay. Mm. So, yeah, so that's pretty much the direction. But I love service accommodation as a strategy for me, right? Yes. So it has to work for yes. you. But like you said, so let's get back to you. Like you said, um, you it just didn't work for you. You didn't at least with that property. So yeah, um, I mean it, it's quite yeah. as you say it's quite intensive. I mean, like you know, people mm-hmm. you, people say yeah you can always outsource it. You can but it's not as simple as that. You know because you need to find the right person. It's not easy to find the, the mm-hmm. right person. You probably have to kiss a few frogs, but then in between, <laughs> in between those you know those few frogs, you know you yeah. have to put in, yeah. you you have to be involved. <laughs> That's the best analogy you have to be. It's, it's, it's very difficult to be because, you know, ultimately you are the one who's the face of the market, yes. right? Yes. So guess what happens? You're the one that gets the bad reviews. Yes. If the person who's doing the operations is doing a bad job, right? So I understand what you mean. I had a lady who was fantastic and I, did, I, I didn't have to get involved. The minute she quit and had to move on to better things in life, <laughs> which they usually always will do, <laughs> then... Guess what? I'm there now having to coordinate between the cleaners, the this, the that, you know, 
it's it's definitely it's not it's not for the faint-hearted I say like some of my strategies are not really easy strategies but at the end of the day they do bring in the yes the financial reward, yes so yes you have to weigh it but yeah and not, so I would yes. say like people that get into property should really love property yes because it's not it's not always the rosiest thing to get into but <laughs> But yeah, so um, so so you told us about your project. So literally, you're going into land development, mm-hmm. and that's going to be your focus for the next, I guess, for the next year. Are you planning to do anything else during that time, or um, right now, I'm also um, what I also do is because I I do invest in other people's projects as an investor, and okay. I also have my own project with my own investors. So I actually am in quite a unique position that mm-hmm. I can understand an investor's point of view and mm-hmm. a developer's point of view. So mm-hmm. um, recently I've also started connecting investors with certain developments that, you know, that I have confidence mm-hmm. in. And because as a developer myself, I am able to run through the figures. I'm able to, you know, make sure that the figures stack That's um, yes. before I introduce uh, my investors um, to those projects. Okay. Well done. So then that's good that you have that unique view that you know it from both sides. Yes. So you can assess a good deal for your investors. And that's so, yeah. So that's yeah, those really are typically really deals that I would invest in it myself. It's just that, you know, I don't have all the funds in the world the to invest in all the deals. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I think that's what, so people who are new to property, they always say, oh, they're always amazed at how nice and how giving and how you know, um, um, kind and property investors generally are. And I said, yeah, because at the end of the day, there's just finite resources. They can't do all the deals, yeah. right? So, you know, there's no threat. There's always deals. When you have the money, you'll find the deals. When you don't have the money, then you just find some deals for somebody else and then yes. try and see if you can get your own cuts. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> so That's- I guess as we get towards wrapping up, I have I always have a question that I ask my um, my moms or dads that have kids and it's, it's it's you know this lockdown for me I've learned a lot that's relating to me and my business from my kids mm-hmm. so I always like to ask that question like what have you learned from your kids during the lockdown that you can apply to your business well I've learned from my kids that y- you know if you don't agree with some what someone tells you you do not need to like voice your dissatisfaction or just go against the person. You just appear like you're listening, like, mm, okay, you know, and then <laughs> just go off and do whatever. And do whatever you want to do. <laughs> and, because, oh and because they don't like, you know, uh, you know, voice, like, get, get angry or anything like that. Or maybe they show they're a little bit angry and then they're off they go. But, and then they didn't say, I'm not going to do it, right? So you, you let your guard down and you're like, okay, then you assume that they're going to do it. <laughs> But it's only later they're like, hey, wait a minute. They didn't do it. (laughs) They didn't do it. It's true. And there was no fight. There was no argument. They just said, okay, no problem. And then they went ahead and did what they were going to do. (laughs) Yes. So I think that. um, Of negotiation. Yeah, I think we can apply that a lot in real life. I mean, sometimes there's no point arguing with someone. Yes. Yeah. Right? yeah so sometimes you just agree to disagree you know it's yes. never gonna happen you're never gonna reach that middle ground yeah so yeah just do just do you yes. <laughs> what you're gonna have to do cool and then I always like to know like um 
when would you want to get your kids involved? Because I imagine sometimes when we're doing these property deals and all of this, we also have our kids in mind. Like, I would love for my kids to take over my business at some point, but no pressure. (laughs) Do you have any thoughts about it? Um, I, I, I. I mean, I do explain to them, you know, because um, my, my kids, they've been asking me recently, Mommy, you've got so many houses. Um, why don't you sell all your houses and let's buy a big mansion to live in? <laughs> and I said, well, okay, if I do that, you know, if I buy a big mansion to live in, and we're going to have no money because... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because all the money will go into the house. Yeah, so, you know, they're starting to get that concept. But um, I don't really, like, push them towards it and they do understand what I do I keep tell, I, I do explain you know what, how buy to lets work and you know why why those people pay me rent and all that but I yeah. I actually try to um, um, you know encourage them to be more entrepreneurial okay. so my, my okay. son is, is, is quite um, an entrepreneur himself you know he wants to sell everything so, okay. so he used to sell snacks during his break time at the Saturday Chinese school where he used to go to. Yeah. There's like a lady with, with some, who sells some snacks. So the kids, they have got money. You know, they've got some yeah. money. So he used to bring some snacks there and he'd go around asking kids like, do you want to buy this? Do you want to buy that? And then he'll, he'll make some money and he'll give it all to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I think it's quite important for kids to have uh, this sort of entrepreneurial uh, spirit from young mm. like right yeah. now he's he's trying to because he's got a pond and and I bought duck weed for two pounds fifty duck weed wow. and and now the pond is full of it and I said mommy we're gonna sell this and I'm gonna make money <laughs> <laughs> so he already has that entrepreneurial spirit in him that's good yeah yeah so yeah. I think you know they, they have to start yeah. somewhere and you know Let's see yeah. where they are. I don't want them to. I, I don't want to force them to be property investors or anything like that. But mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. you know, if once they grow up and you know, they would be able to see the logic behind it. Mm, they will. They will. I guess just like you did. So yes, <laughs> yes. And then finally, what would you advise um, somebody who's coming into this um, business, sort of new, fresh, doesn't really have much you know idea about how to get into property but really wants to doesn't really have that much of an initial because I really am focused on trying to get people who don't have that initial deposit to start to look into different strategies to get into property um so what would you what sort of advice would you give to that sort of person um um I think I think um firstly get them get educated on the various strategies mm-hmm. yeah um, there are lots of resources out there and of course you know you can invest in all these courses which I I, I, I do believe because you know it saves you I know there are lots of information out there but at least you know you, you can save a lot of time and money by just mm-hmm. you know learning about the different strategies and and then once you've chosen the strategy you, there, there are many ways like what you do but like what you did you know like rent to rent that's that's, that's yeah. a perfect strategy if you yeah. don't have or, or you can if if you know, let's say if you want to do a buy refurb and you're good at getting deals, if you can find deals, if you know the area well, then you can get yeah. investors exactly. to partner to join you venture. to join exactly. ventures. So yeah, I think there are many ways. It's yeah. whether or not you, if you know what you want and you know mm-hmm. what strategy would suit you and then you just work on it and, and then you go with a, a solution to every problem if you work hard yeah. enough for it. 
Yes, but you have to work hard. Yes. That's for sure. Yes, that's for sure. That's that's no doubt. Yeah, but yeah, so Claire, it's been so great having you on the show. I've really enjoyed sort of your insight, your depth, the fact that you know you've done all these different projects and you really kind of really have broken them down in a simple way for us to understand. And it's really, really, it's been really, really great having you on the show. And I definitely wish you all the best in the future. So just any parting words? Um, well, first of all, it's my pleasure to be on this show. I mean, I love um, sharing my experiences. And if I can just help someone or inspire just one person, mm. that's, that's good enough for me. Um, my inspiring yeah. words, let's say for a new for a new person, I think the most important thing is for them to start um, thinking about your future, start planning, you know, yes. start planning about retirement. Because if you if you have the intention, then you will find a way. But if you don't even yeah. think about that, then you, you you will just, you know, the days become months and months become years. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you're like 55 and you think, oh, what? what? Yeah, what time has just gone. Yeah. yeah. So. Okay. Okay. So Claire, thanks once again. And um, I definitely look forward to having you back on the show once you've finished the project so we can find out what happened with that. Sure. I must say I really did enjoy this episode with Claire. You know, showing how being decisive, intentional and taking action at the right time got her success in property. And she gives really good insight into how she figured out, you know, trying to set up her retirement plan from even a young age and then re-engineering backwards to start building up, you know, um, her retirement and her financial goals using property investing as a primary strategy. So really, really enjoyed her practical approach and how she explained her journey building up her portfolio, both in Malaysia and the UK. And really, it was nice to hear her practical experience and interesting challenges venturing into even venturing into land development, sourcing below market value, working with investors, you know, so really great episode, really enjoyed chatting with Claire. And um, so hope you got good value from this episode. And um, next week, I'll be talking to Sam Norris, who is a finance broker and he has so much wisdom so much insight into you know we talk a lot about the financial side of property investing and you know getting access to loans and funding so really really good good episode um to tune into and until then um be safe build assets and let's make an impact